Welcome to the Liberation Lab podcast, insights and interviews for the disruptive educator. As always, I'm your host, Bobby, and we're diving into a really, really important conversation today. Today, we're talking about what it means to be an emotionally intelligent leader, a skill that I think is, I'm going to say lacking or in need of development across the board in our schools. Before we dive into that, I just want to invite you, uh, some things coming up um, as we're nearing the end of this year, and man, has it uh, flying by. At the time of this recording, it is uh, December 10th. Um, In the new year, Liberation Lab um, will be, um, I'm going to say, streamlining our our way of communication, our way of content creation, Um, the primary vehicle that we'll be using in 2024 will be YouTube. Does not mean that the podcast will will still not be on your your favorite streaming uh, service, whether that be Spotify, Apple Music, um, but content with regard to culturally responsive teaching, social justice education, and restorative practices uh, will be uh, being housed on YouTube. So I need you to do it to stop what you're doing. Pause this podcast. And go to YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube. If you don't know where that is, I want you to go to my show notes. There's a link right at the top where I want you to go ahead and do that. My goal um, is to get a good amount of the followers that I have on um, Instagram and LinkedIn and places to um, head over to YouTube because that's going to be where uh, things are moving in 2024. I'm excited. Um, we'll be doing some more live streams with some educational, um, leaders, uh, some folks that I think could help us, uh, develop, uh, we'll be doing some more work, um, you know, thinking about bringing back. If you are newer that you don't know about this, but, um, when I first started on Instagram, I had a show, uh, IG show that came out every week live. It was called free speech. We talked about just subjects that mattered and I brought on guests to do that. Think about bringing that back, but housing that over in YouTube. So again, stop what you're doing, head over YouTube and subscribe. Also be on the lookout. The, the, my online course beyond discipline is in the works. Um, really working on fine tuning what I really want to talk about. Um, fine-tuning how the resources available because uh, when I put out something I really want it to impact and so uh, I'm going to get it right before I put it out but that work is ongoing and should be uh, finished before years end so please be on the lookout for that uh, that'll be housed over there on my website myliberationlab.com all right now that that's out the way let's dig into our conversation today we are on no man's land journey of being in after fall break and Thanksgiving break and before Christmas break. And it is a very interesting time, particularly where I serve. There have been some some concerning things that have happened, um, ways that I have to address our our students, holding them accountable and aspiring them to be better, our teachers motivating to continue to finish strong for this year as we lead into next year. And even uh, my colleagues on the admin team, what could we be doing better being uh, reflective leaders? And that got me thinking about this quality 
um, that none of my teacher prep or admin prep programs um, gave me. They didn't really challenge me in this area. Sure, it was mentioned, but the number one thing I'd say that you are ill prepared for is the need for emotional intelligence, development of your EQ. And this is like more difficult for us to learn, hone in on and define, because ultimately what we find is that that changes depending on who you're talking to, what their needs are, what the problems are, your stress levels, their stress levels, and so many other things. The pieces that I believe are that we are all struggling with is that as a leader, the teachers you lead, the students you serve, they all come with the expectation that you are the fixer. You are the person that is going to make this thing better. And so pending your history, your personality makeup, your stress tolerance, all the things, the response that you have at the time could vary. I'll give you an example. So they, very recently, actually, there was, you know, I'm coming in, I'm tired. Uh, you know, there are things happening at, at home. My kids need things. I'm trying to be, you know, a better, continue to be a better father, husband. I get to work and I'm still feeling the effects of everything that I poured into the day before. Uh, I didn't get enough sleep. I'm kind of hungry. Um, it's just one of those days. And I walk in and within three seconds of me getting in the door, this is not an exaggeration. Um, one of the staff members stops me to talk to me about something that happened yesterday. I, I get in the main office uh, and I find out that we have a significant number of teachers out today which means I might have to, and, and I did have to cover. Uh, I get back to my office and three teachers need to see me about something that happened. And the day hasn't even started yet. Students are not in the building. That stuff takes a toll on you. How do you respond? What, what qualities do you need to have in order to navigate that well? It is my suggestion and in my experience, it is the development of emotional intelligence. But what is it that I mean when I say emotional intelligence? When we talk about emotional intelligence, uh, folks that do this work continuously, uh, they usually define it um, with five different characteristics. If you're looking at this on YouTube, um, you'll see uh, you'll see me share. Uh, something with you here. There are five components of developing your emotional intelligence. And when I say emotional intelligence, here's what I mean. It's the ability to understand, perceive, and manage your emotions. Understand your own, perceive yours and others, and then manage those emotions. And it starts with five different components. These are not in any particular order, but the first one that I'm going to mention is self-awareness. Self-awareness. It is the ability to understand and to anticipate your own emotions and understand how your actions and decisions affect others. This is key. Our educational system is set up to have us only think about ourselves. If you're a teacher, 
you get to go into your classroom, close your door, and just worry about your kids and your class. If you are a staff member, you have to worry about your own responsibilities. If you are a, uh, a you know, an admin or supervisor or coach, you have specific responsibilities that you have to hone in on. So if everybody's honed in on their responsibilities, the problem becomes when we don't recognize how our actions affect others. Sure, you went into your classroom, you closed the door, and then the magic happens, but maybe there wasn't a, a, a student who didn't get to your class one time. Your door's closed, and now they cause havoc somewhere else. Maybe you're tired of student behaviors that you've exhibited when you have to cover a class and so you don't do your best and then that that student leaves and then causes uh, disturbances elsewhere. Somebody else is affected because of our inability to do our job or to serve our students well. You're an admin and, you know, maybe the inconsistencies of your professional job, the the things that you're supposed to do. Maybe those inconsistencies are affecting your teaching staff. Maybe they're tired because they feel like they don't know which you they're going to get. So student behavior affects us. Admin inconsistencies affect us. Our colleagues' choices affect us. Yet and still, our own actions our ability or inability to do what it is that we need to do to perform our responsibility to the best of our ability. Those affect everyone else. Are we self-aware? Have we done the work of figuring out how, what are our triggers? What are the buttons that people can push that put you in a place where you're not going to be your best self? Shout out to Dr. Emden. Um, in his book, Ratchetdemic, he uses the analogy of an elevator. He talks about how students, and I'm going to expand it a little bit and say staff, even admin, every human in your building has the ability to push your buttons. But when you enter an elevator, and you want to get to a different floor, the one thing you must do is to indicate that floor by pushing a button. He uses this analogy to talk to us about how when students or staff push our buttons, it is an invitation for us to raise to a different level. I suggest to you that the elevator analogy that he is using, that the elevator itself is a level of self-awareness. Have you done the work necessary to see what's behind the button pressing? What's the backstory? Have we been able to perceive what's behind the request? What's behind the closing of the door for the teacher? What's behind uh, staff maybe checking out on initiatives or things that are happening within your building? What's behind your inability to see those things through? Are you self-aware? Not only that, 
it's not enough just to be aware of what it is that you may be doing, saying, thinking, acting on that are affecting others. You must be, and number two, the ability to have self-management, to control and to regulate one's emotions, adapt to the changes in your environment, and hear it now, maintain a healthy outlook. I'm not talking about toxic positivity. I'm saying a healthy outlook. So this one, I think, is sorely needed right now as we're hanging on for dear life. I saw a meme uh, recently that had, uh, if you're familiar with with Toy Story, you know, uh, Woody is standing on the side of a truck and he's he's holding on to Buzz Lightyear as the truck is driving. Like a a literal truck, you know, glued a truck driver glued this to the um, stepping the the step that he uses to get into the truck. He glued these two characters there, and somebody used it as an analogy to say this is what it's like to try to last, to try to make it until that December break. Well, when it comes to how we do that and how well we do that. Self-management is key. See, you can be self-aware and you can know, oh, I know that I have this issue or I know that I'm going to respond this way when things happen. Oh, I know that um, if a teacher says this thing, then I'm done. I'm going to get you. I'm going to respond. I'm going to whatever. I'm going to ignore you. I'm going to cut you off, whatever those things are. But it's not just enough to be self-aware of those things. How do you manage those things? Do you recognize that just maybe the decisions that we we have to make or we feel like we have to make put us in position for um, for further damage to be done? This is an area where I even right now in my uh, in my leadership that I'm being challenged in. Right now at the time of this recording, there have been some things that have happened within my building that students have made some choices that have caused some stress to the student population, the student body, as well as my staff. Feelings of uncertainty, doubt, um, just fatigue, an overwhelming sense of, of what are we doing to address these things? Well, it's not enough for me to be aware of what my staff and what my students might be thinking and feeling. The way that I produce results is by managing my own emotions. I have doubts. I have concerns. I'm struggling to see the bigger picture at times. But my responsibility is to my staff. So I center myself on the bigger picture. I center myself on why I got involved in this business and why I continue to serve in the places in which I serve. I adapt to the change in the environment. What happened at the beginning of the year is very different than how my staff feels now. What's my healthy outlook? There are a lot of things that we are doing well. And there are some things that we need to course correct. And so just like a chiropractor will evaluate your your alignment and systematically look at certain areas and prioritize the adjustment. That is what I'm doing with my school even now. And I suggest that is what you should be doing in your practice. Whether that be in your your instructional leadership. Behavior management. 
building a classroom community, the rigor, the instruction is teaching and learning happening in your classroom every day. Are students learning and growing? Do you have deficit language and deficit ideology that you need to challenge? All of those things fall under this self-management piece. And what's the healthy outlook? I may not be where I want to be today, but I am growing and I am making progress and I am pursuing my highest self. And that has a positive effect on those I work with. Not only must you be self-aware and then you must be self uh, uh, engage in self-management. But number three, you must have the social skill, the ability to build and maintain healthy relationships. As a leader, this is unmatched in terms of how you move things forward because your, your school culture, your school climate, yes, it rests on your shoulders. However, you can't do it alone. And you need the vision. You need the, the input. You need the buy-in. You need the collective genius of those you work with. So social skill says, I know I can't do it all by myself, and I'm going to invite others into this process. I'm going to ask them what it means for us to build these healthy relationships. How do I serve them well? What things am I doing that is causing added stress? What things am I doing that is uh, putting them in a position where they are no, um, no longer their highest self when it comes to um, serving with me? See, self-awareness and self-management will put me in position to ask for feedback. This is huge. As teachers, are you asking for the anecdotal and qualitative feedback of your students? They'll tell you what you're doing or not doing that doesn't work for them. They'll tell you what you're doing that does work for them. Are you asking for that feedback and responding to it? Are you showing them that their voice matters? Because here's the thing. Teachers will tell you all the time about how they 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 want to be included in the decisions that directly impact them. Yet turn right around and exclude the students in their classroom and decisions that they make that impact those students. See, see, as power flows, when it goes from a perceived greater source to, to one that has lesser power, we tend to replicate those areas of harm that, that directly impact us. I was recently watching an episode of The Witcher. I watched the first episode, then put it down. I didn't really like it. I decided to pick it back up. So I'm, I'm in the first season. And I don't know how how much you know. I don't know how uh, how much I'm going to watch, but uh, I'm enjoying it thus far. And in this episode, uh, I'm watching this princess. Siri is her name. Princess Siri is on the run. Um, there is a I'm going to say madman chasing after her, and she sees flags that represent her land and her her country she runs to them thinking that she is safe and she finds the subjects of her family's rule and she sees how the other half lives because she had this wonderful perspective of her family of of the leadership in her mind until she got into the stories and the lives of the people, then she found out it was a different story. 
as the story continues, she is taken in by a, a family. They don't really know who she is. But what she begins to see is that this family has a servant. The servant is a dwarf. Um, I'm using that in the language of the land and, and, and in the story. And because they have power over this person, they malign, they talk down, they abuse and disregard this person. And what Siri begins to see is in the same way she was, she was ignorant to the ways that her family um, made decisions that affected the subjects of the kingdom. She sees that people who have power in that kingdom are doing the same thing to others. That means when we talk about building healthy relationships, I'm also talking about those in which don't have the same power as you. What's your relationship like with your students? I mean, like we talk about building healthy relationships, and I think that's key. But when we, we talk about building relationships with students, I mean, do they have, are you allowing their active, present, and needed voices to make an impact in your instruction, in your classroom, in your procedures? Are you empowering them? Or do you expect that they just should come in and listen to you? Do they have anything to contribute in your classroom or, or do you subscribe to the banking model of education that says that you pour in and they have nothing to bring? Let's move forward. Self-awareness, self-management, social skill. Number four, empathy. The action of considering others, emotions, needs and experiences and factoring that into your own decision making. This isn't sympathy. I feel sorry that that happened to you. This is empathy. I'm walking in your shoes. I feel your pain and therefore I'm going to respond. This is what I call the essence of true community. When I make your problem, my problem. Do we really embody this? Do we do it for those who we deem ill deserving? See, it's easy for us to do it when we feel like somebody is is awesome. They, they help us. They serve us well. They, they lead us well. Uh, they're, the, they're, they're the brightest student, whatever have you. But do we have empathy when it comes to those who may push our buttons and invite us to rise to a different level? And not only that, motivation. The ability to spur others to action. If you yourself are struggling with what it means to be motivated in your school with your role with the tasks at hand. How are you motivating students to continue to engage in your classroom? Do you have honest discussions about where we are? Man, I'm tired right now. But if I'm tired and I'm not serving you well, what happens? And inviting students to, to chime in on that. What do they do? What are, some, what are some answers to this problem? How do we collectively push each other uh, into being our best selves? What do you need from me right now to be your best self? See, all of these, th all of these things work together to foster the type of emotional intelligence that will change your school climate and change your school culture. Question is, are we willing to put in that work? Are we willing to put in that work? So when, when we talk about this need for emotional intelligence, here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. When we talk about 
the the ways in which your leadership might be failing to do these things, I still think it's incumbent upon you as an educator to embody the things that you complain about. Are you the type of educator that is striving for emotional intelligence as it pertains to all the things that are in your jurisdiction? Do you have the ability and an understanding of your supervisors, those in charge to ha to manage up in a sense and invite them into the same journey? Emotional intelligence is needed because at the end of the day, being an educator is a human endeavor. And sometimes we forget that because of the capitalism of our uh, our structures and our and our and our um, and our schools. What I mean is we're always expected to produce something, but rarely are we asked about what's needed to do that, about the people. We don't have a human approach to things more times than not. It's just produce at all costs and because money is tied to production forget your feelings forget all those things you got to produce at the end of the day and so because everybody feels this pressure we we take our power and we force it on the it flows downward in a most horrific way district leaders feel the pressure from the state to perform to make sure they're doing well on that make sure the district is performing well on tests. So they put it on the principals. Principals feel it, put it on assistant principals. Assistant principals and coaches feel it. They put it on the teachers. The teachers feel it. They put it on the students. The students feel it. And then behaviors come out. And we're all dealing with this mess because we won't engage and find a way to have this emotional intelligence one with another. So what can you do? The first thing I'm going to invite you to do is to reflect. Who have you been this year? If you had to really think about and reflect on the kind of educator you have been this year, have you vibed, if you will, at your highest frequency for most of this year? Where have you where have you fallen short and why? Why might that be? Pause and reflect. Think through those things. Be honest about them. And then here's, here's, I'm going to, I'm going to push us a little bit here. Don't keep that to yourself. Engage in a meaningful discussion with your students about what you've discovered about yourself. Model the type of reflection that you want them to see as they manage their own behaviors, as they push themselves to be their highest self. See what feedback they give you. See what grace they give you when you're honest about your shortcomings. See how they begin to model those same things for themselves because you've given space for it by leading with authenticity. Not only should you do that, but I, if you have relationships and, and connection with an assistant principal, a coach or somebody that you might find a relationship with, talk to them about that. Set goals together to hold each other accountable to the growth that you want to see. At the end of the day, you cannot continue to hold your growth and development hostage and demand that the ransom be paid in terms of alleviating your frustrations. Frustrations are always going to be a part of the job, unfortunately. And even as we work to to change things, you need more and more people involved in the process. So my question to you is, when it comes to the problems and the solutions, 
in your school, what's your role? Are you being emotionally intelligent? Or are you choosing to contribute more problems than solutions to your space and place of work? Our students deserve emotionally intelligent leadership so they can develop their own emotional intelligence. So let's reflect on that. Let's build on that. Let's keep pushing. Till next week, family. Peace.